You're listening to the Power of Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Delena McMillan. Hey family, how are you? How is everyone doing today? Hope you guys have had a great week this week so far and thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to my podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad that you've tuned in. Um, Whether this is your, your first time or if you're returning for more, I hope this is a place where you are strengthened and encouraged, where you feel uplifted and inspired. My prayer is always that this is a place where you can learn and grow in your walk with God. And as you learn and grow in your relationship with him, I pray that you'll be more equipped to overcome life's challenges and more prepared to fulfill the destiny that God has for you. Now, I say this often, but I do believe that it bears repeating because someone I believe needs to hear this. You matter. Your life matters. Your identity is not defined by what the world says. Your identity is in God. Your identity is who God says you are. And you were not created by him to wander aimlessly through your life. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And I pray that he reveals your purpose to you so that you can live your life with focus and intentionality and become and do all the things that you were created to do. Had to get that out there. Okay, so let's just get into it, y'all. Today's topic is an interesting one for me. And it's really personal. Because this is something that God has been speaking to me about for several days now, like, he really, really wants me to get this. And I'm sensing it's important that I get this deep in my spirit now in this current season that I'm in. And I really wanted to share it with you guys because I believe this is something that God wants for all of us. And as I mentioned in the title, we'll be talking about what it means to have little faith versus mustard seed faith. Is there a difference? And if so, what is it? I was studying a passage in the Bible that may be familiar to you. And this is kind of where all this came from. It's the story about Jesus walking on the water. And it's also the story about Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, also walking on that same water. And it's actually one of my favorite stories because the analogy of walking on water outside of the boat, which represents safety and comfort, is something that I can really relate to. But I don't want to go on a different tangent, so I'm going to do my best to stay focused. Now, you can find this story in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And this passage is filled with so many talking points. But for today's episode, I want to focus on Peter and what Jesus said to Peter before and after he walked on water. Now, the story takes place after Jesus performs the miracle of feeding the multitude after he's done teaching them. After the multitude is fed, he tells his disciples to get into the boat 
and go ahead of him to the other side of the of, of the waters. He's going to join them later. But first, he wants to go up to the mountain alone to pray. Now, while he's on the mountain praying, the disciples are in the boat on the sea and a great storm comes. There's wind and waves tossing them around and they're having a hard time rowing against it. They're struggling for hours and it's now dark and they are exhausted. Jesus comes to them, but he comes to them walking on top of the water. They think they're seeing a ghost and they're terrified. I think we would be terrified as well. Um, I mean, it's dark outside. It's very windy. The waves are crashing against you and you see a shadowy figure off in the distance coming towards you. I would be freaking out. Jesus is so great, though, because he doesn't judge them for being scared and panicking. Instead, he says, be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. And this is where Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and the other disciples stay in the boat and they watch this whole thing unfold. Maybe they're thinking, let's see what happens to Peter first, and then maybe we'll try it too. But Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water towards Jesus. We don't know how long he's walking, but we do know he's actually doing what Jesus is doing. He's walking on the water towards Jesus. And as long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's doing fine. But he starts noticing the winds and the waves, and he starts to sink. And as he's sinking, he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Jesus stretches out his hand and catches Peter and pulls him up. And then Jesus says to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So they get into the boat, and at that point, the wind ceases. I've read this amazing story so many times over the years, but this time as I was reading it, what stood out to me was what Jesus said to Peter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I know I ask you guys this thing often, but have you experienced certain words jumping out at you as you're reading the Bible? I love it when that happens because I know it's the Holy Spirit wanting to give me a deeper understanding of the scripture. And so this time, the words little faith and doubt stood out to me. And I don't think I really paid attention to those words before. I mean, I don't think I really made the connection between little faith and doubt. Now, I researched what little faith means, and it basically means the duration of your faith, like your faith is just enough for a particular moment, but it ends up being overshadowed by your circumstances. Doubt ends up creeping in. Unbelief creeps in. We take our focus off of God and put it on our situation. Having little faith speaks to having a lack of confidence in God. Now remember this story takes place after the disciples witnessed Jesus feeding over 5,000 people with only two fish and five loaves of bread. And they've seen him perform countless other miracles too. In a few chapters earlier, 
in chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, you'll read how they experienced being in a boat with Jesus in another storm, and Jesus rebuked the wind and waves. That time he was actually in the boat with them, but Jesus was sleeping. At the time that they were having like a hurricane, Jesus is chilling, he's sleeping, and they're coming to him saying, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And he wakes up, says, oh, you little faith, rebukes the wind and waves. So fast forward to chapter 14, and we see Jesus walking on the water. We see Peter probably remembering what Jesus did to the wind and waves back in chapter 8. And he basically asked Jesus to give him the same ability to walk on water, which, as we see, he did. And as long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus, he continues to walk on the water. So he had the faith to get out of the boat alone. The other disciples didn't even attempt to get out of the boat. And they witnessed the same miracles up to this point as Peter. But Peter had the faith to get out of the boat and start walking on the water towards Jesus. But the moment he starts to be aware of the winds blowing on him and the waves crashing against him, his focus changes, his faith dwindles, and he starts to sink. And that, I believe, is why Jesus said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? In other words, why did you waver in your faith? You were doing so well. Why did you lose your confidence in me? I saw myself in that situation. And if I'm being honest, I have definitely had moments in my life where my faith wavered. Because of things I've experienced, I lost confidence in God. I stopped believing that he truly is God that he is all-powerful, that he is the God of miracles, and that what he said he will do, he will do. Has that been you? Have you ever had moments where your faith has wavered? Are you experiencing it now, where if you're really honest, you would say that your faith in God has wavered a bit? I think we've all been there at some point. And there is no judgment here, family, only honesty, transparency, vulnerability, love, and truth. No judgment. And I love the way Jesus spoke to Peter, too. To me, it was a moment of encouragement. It's like I said, he was saying, you were doing so good. Don't stop now. Keep going. Keep believing in me. Keep your eyes on me. It was a teaching moment, not only for Peter, but for the other disciples who didn't even try to get out of the boat. At least Peter stepped out with boldness and courage, and yes, a good measure of faith, even if it did fall short. I want to bring up another story right now that is also really powerful and is an example, I believe, of the kind of faith that Jesus wants us to have. It's the story of Jesus healing a centurion's servant, and it's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Now, for context, a centurion is a Roman, a Roman soldier, a captain. 
And Roman soldiers were occupying Jewish cities because they were under Roman rule. So in this story, a centurion comes to Jesus and asks him to heal his servant. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 2, the scripture goes into more detail by adding that the servant was dear to the centurion and he was sick and ready to die. So this was really personal for the Roman soldier. Jesus says he will go to his house and heal him. And the centurion says to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. He goes on to say, I understand authority. I myself am under authority and I have soldiers under me. When I say to this one, go, he goes. When I say to another, come, he comes. And when I say to my servant, do this, they do it. And Jesus is astonished and he marvels at this and says to the people following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith, not even in Israel. There's so much to talk about in this passage, but I just want to focus on a couple of things here. First is the fact that the centurion called Jesus Lord, which to me shows respect and honor. He knows there is something very special about Jesus. And then next the centurion talks about authority. For him to say that he knows how authority works and therefore all Jesus needs to do is speak a word and his servant will be healed is extremely powerful. He didn't need Jesus to come and physically lay hands on his servant to heal him. He had an understanding and trust that even sickness had to obey Jesus' command. He had faith in Jesus and in his power and authority to the extent that all he had to do was speak a word and he believed his servant would be healed. Jesus tells the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very same hour. So if we look at these two stories, the story of Peter walking on water for a brief moment before changing his focus from Jesus to the wind and waves around him, and the story of the centurion, the Roman captain who didn't need Jesus to physically come and lay hands on his servant to be healed, we see what Jesus is saying about their faith. He says to Peter that he had little faith, and he says to the centurion that he had great faith. What was the difference? Well, Peter began to lack confidence in Jesus after everything he'd seen up until that point. Well, the centurion had complete confidence in Jesus and the authority that he had over sickness to the point he recognized all Jesus needed to do was speak a word. Before I forget, I also want to talk about mustard seed faith because there's something else I want to mention here. And for me, I saw a correlation with the centurion's faith and mustard seed faith. 
Now, mustard seed faith for me speaks to the potential of our faith. Jesus teaches about mustard seed faith in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He's talking to the disciples because they tried to cast a demon out of a child, but, but were unsuccessful. They've been able to cast out demons in the past, but they couldn't understand why they couldn't do it this time. Jesus says to them it was because of their unbelief. And then goes on to say that if they have faith as a mustard seed, they could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. Now, Jesus is not saying we can literally speak to a physical mountain and tell it to move. But he's talking about the mountains in our lives, fear, doubt, anxiety, worry, depression, sickness, lack. Those are mountains that can block us and hold us back. But Jesus says because of their unbelief, the disciples weren't able to cast out the demon. Jesus knows our hearts. And so he knew that somehow there was unbelief in their heart when they attempted to cast out the demon. Now, what is unbelief? Unbelief is an unwillingness to believe. It's requiring evidence before you're willing to believe. In our case, it's requiring evidence that Jesus is real before we believe that he is real. And so Jesus perceived there was some level of unbelief in their hearts. Maybe they had gotten used to performing miracles like Jesus and, and in his name, and it had become regular to them, you know, like maybe they forgot that it's belief in the power of the name of Jesus that causes the demons to tremble and flee and not some rote exercise where you just go through the motions, you know? It doesn't take faith if you're simply going through the motions. There's no level of expectation for God to move. So Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and us by using an example of having faith as a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, but has great potential and can grow into a very large plant to the point where Birds can, can, can build nests in it and find shelter in it. And scripture says God has given to each one of us a measure of faith. So we're all starting with faith. It takes faith to be saved. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, that's faith, in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So when Jesus is talking about mustard seed faith, he's saying, you already have faith. Now we need to water it and allow it to grow until it's no longer overshadowed by doubt or unbelief. Mustard seed faith means to have full confidence in God, to believe God even when we don't feel it or see it. This is what it means to walk by faith, not by sight. We're using our mustard seed faith to continue to believe God. And we're going to water our faith and allow it to grow by reading the Bible, praying, encouraging ourselves, encouraging one another, 
being supported by a community of believers that will stand with you and encourage you as well. And and to me, hearing the testimonies of others is another really, really great way to increase your faith. When you see what God has done for someone else, it gives you more faith to believe God will move in your life. The centurion in Matthew chapter 8 definitely had faith. He believed Jesus could heal his servant with only a word. There was no doubt that Jesus couldn't do it. He had complete confidence in him. Peter definitely had faith to get out of the boat and to walk on water towards Jesus. But the duration of his faith wavered when he took his eyes off Jesus and focused on what was around him and coming at him, causing him to sink. Jesus said Peter had little faith while the centurion had great faith. And then we have mustard seed faith. All of this, as you can guess, is about our belief. Do we need to see evidence before we will we believe God or will we trust him based on who he is and believe that he will do what he said he will do even though we don't feel it or see it? Now, I know there is some nuance to this family. I myself have moments where I do believe God in my spirit, but my mind is struggling with doubt. Now, God isn't judging us on this. It's an opportunity for us to come to him and give him our struggles, give him our doubts, give him our fears. And in exchange, he will give us his peace And he will strengthen our hearts and encourage us. And God is so good that he's also given us the gift of the Holy Spirit that reminds us of all the wonderful, miraculous things God has already done in our lives. If we really stop and reflect on the goodness of God, we'll see that that is our evidence that he is real. That is our evidence that he never goes back on his word. And what he said he'll do, he'll do. Now, if we did need evidence before we can believe, we already have it. You are evidence that God is real. The fact that you are alive and breathing proves God exists. So let's allow that to encourage us and grow our faith in God. If all we have right now is mustard seed faith, that's all we need. It's not about the size of the seed. It's about the potential of what it will grow into. And it's about who our faith and trust is in. Our faith and trust is in the Lord God Almighty. Family, everything hinges on our faith. Our faith is important to God. And it's important to Satan. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we please God with our faith, because we're saying we believe in him. We believe he is real. 
We believe he is God almighty, all powerful, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We believe that he raised Jesus from the dead. And as I said, our faith is important to Satan because he wants to destroy it. Jesus told us in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. The enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy our faith. If we lose our faith, we lose our hope. And if we lose our hope, we feel lost. We must fight for and continue to grow our faith in God. Even when it gets hard, even when everything we see makes no sense and it looks like nothing will ever go right again. Even when we feel depressed or anxious, even when we have thoughts of doubt or we're confused even in our pain. We must hold on tight to our faith in God. God moves through our faith. Things may not make sense all the time, but we must have faith and belief that God is still a good father and he loves us. Let's allow our faith to grow from little faith or faith in spurts or faith that lasts only for short periods of time, to a constant, continuous faith full of potential that grows and grows. A faith that doesn't need God to prove to you that he is God. You believe even when you don't see it or feel it. I think the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 saw Jesus perform miracles, or at the very least, heard about them. I think... That's how he knew what Jesus could do. And that's why he came to him for his servant's healing. He believed Jesus only needed to speak a word and his word alone had enough power and authority to heal his servant. And the same is true for us today. This is all about our faith family. It's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, and it's what he wants us to learn as well. It's about our faith, and not just our faith, but our faith in God, our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in the power of his name. Okay, let's close out in prayer. And I hope that today's episode has blessed you. It has certainly blessed me. So, Father God, I thank you for this word today. Thank you for teaching us the importance of our faith and that our faith must be in you. Father, heal our unbelief, our doubts, and help us to trust you more. I pray for anyone who feels hopeless right now. God, you are the God of hope. You are the God of peace, and you are the God who restores. I pray right now that you would restore their hope. Holy Spirit, remind them of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Bring back to their remembrance things that God has already done in their lives. Let them see your goodness, Father. I pray that they will feel your presence right now right where they are, 
Let them feel your love. Wrap your arms around them and hold them close to you. I pray for every listener right now. I pray that healing, deliverance, and wholeness will break forth in their lives. Supply every need to the overflow. Bless them so that they can be a blessing. Let your joy overflow in their hearts. And guard their hearts and minds with your peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, I ask that you water the seeds of our faith right now. Cause it to grow and grow to the point that nothing the enemy throws at us will cause us to stop believing in you and, 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 and believe that nothing is impossible for you. You are the great I am. And I give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, thanks for listening, y'all. Like I said, I really hope that today's episode has blessed you. And if you want to know when I drop a new episode, please click the follow button, turn on your notifications. If you're listening to this um, on a platform like Apple Podcasts that allows you to rate my podcast, it would be wonderful if you could give me a high rating. And don't forget to share this with as many people as possible so they can also be blessed and encouraged. God has blessed me already to reach five countries so far, and I am so grateful. And I'm believing God to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask for or imagine. Amen. We all need to be encouraged. I'd love to hear from you guys. So please connect with me on social media. Um, I've revised my description. So if you, if you take a look at it, you're going to see one link to my website, which has all my platforms on there. You'll see the TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you can even listen to my podcast on my new website as well. So you're just going to click on that one link in description. It'll take you there and you will see everything. And I've also, um, in case I didn't mention this, I also write blogs as well. And so if you do click on that link, you'll see that I posted something new for this month. And this blog um, is called Six Tips to Overcome Discouragement. And I mentioned some really great tools that I've been able to learn um, that have been helping me on my journey. And again, you can find all these great things on the link in my description. I'm praying for you, family. Let's continue to cover each other in prayer, okay? So until next time, take care of yourselves. God bless you. Bye.